0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe. Welcome to a finals pre-game preview afternoon, late afternoon preview of the uh, NBA finals with my great friend Paul Mokeski. This is Ricky Hampton. We got next uh plus the <laughs> motor. Uh, we just wanted to hit this right quick, man, before uh, things tip off Thursday. But, Mo, before we get to the finals, I, I got to ask you about the uh, uh, Celtics and, and Heat game seven. Because when we talked Monday, everybody was – whenever we when were we on last, was it, it wasn't Monday.
1: but we yeah, we're on. It was Monday before the show, before the game. We,
0: you said, just don't give this thing to Boston because they're home.
1: No, that's not, you know, uh, and we'll, uh, let's talk about that. But you know what? I've been thinking, don't give this thing to the Denver Nuggets either. Don't go there. Anyway. Um, well, well, you know
0: what? That's why we're here. But, but I got to hit this right quick because Boston won three straight games, beat them twice in Miami. Going back home with all the momentum at the garden, man.
1: Yeah, here's what I like. In basketball especially, uh, in the playoffs, I've been in a lot of them as a player and a coach. Uh, Seven-game series. Uh, The hardest thing to do is win three games in a row, and the next hardest is to close out a team. So the Celtics won three in a row. So winning four in a row in a series is – you know, those are sweeps and and that's very, very difficult. And, uh, you know, we're seeing right here that Tatum went down in the first 30 seconds on the first play and sprained his ankle pretty darn bad. Um, so he was, he was limited and frustrated. You can see it, but, uh, the problem is, uh, all the other uh, Celtics laid an egg. They, uh, you know, they, they peed in their pants. They, uh, You know, Marcus Smart, horrible. Nine points, four of those were at the end when it didn't matter. Tatum, uh, I mean, um, Brown, you can see right there, he can't dribble. Eight turnovers. Eight turnovers. He dribbled into people and turned the ball over. Um, You know, uh, no one else showed up. Uh, Horford was bad. They looked like they were scared and nervous at the beginning of the game, and they were lucky that Miami was playing like garbage. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Miami just kept plugging away and Boston got worse. And, uh, you know, players didn't step up. And uh, it's going to, you know, Jalen Brown's question mark. Uh, whether this team works together is a question mark. Whether the coach is there is a question mark. So, and, you know, I don't like blaming coaches, but let's let's face it. The Boston Celtics offense is uh, uh, has no imagination. It's built on -on one-on-one going downhill from the wings, uh, Tatum or Brown, and there's no movement, and it's stagnant, and uh, it's not effective. And uh, the other thing that's mind-blowing for me with the the Celtics and a lot of NBA teams, when the Miami Heat threw a a weak zone at them, they didn't know how to figure it out. Like I told you on Monday, I could drop a zone offense right now, that would kill any offense in the nba but they don't do it It's they just rely on okay we're gonna keep the floor spread and attack them but why don't you run some motion why don't you have some staggered baseline runner all this stuff overload high low all this stuff you can do instead of just standing there just hoping that someone makes a shot that's ridiculous
0: hey, hey Mo, I, when i look at them uh i i see the need for a floor general, I've got to really organize them offensively.
1: Well, and I don't think
0: they really have that.
1: You don't need – that would help. You need an offense. You can't – you know, a floor general with no offense, it doesn't mean anything. I'm going to bring the ball down and I'm going to set a pick for Tatum. He's going to catch it and then we're all going to stand around watching. That's the problem. It's about movement, motion. You know, not relying on so much one-on-one, not making it so hard. Uh, It's to me, you know, I I don't throw any, you know, pull any punches. There's uh, incompetent coaches and organizations in the NBA, and you know, to rely on all this one-on-one and why don't? It's not that hard. Go watch Spain player teams. Go watch the Warriors when they're good. How much they move? How much movement they have? Does Steph Curry come down and dribble all the time and take a shot? He's running around getting handoffs, getting picks, getting back picks. Why can't you do that? I don't understand. Because you just stand, everyone stands around and watches Tatum or Brown try to make a play. That's just stupid. And that's why they're at home. And that's why Miami is going on. It's it's obvious to me.
0: <laughs> you, th- you think Missoula keeps his job?
1: I doubt it. I don't think so anymore. I mean, I think he did an OK job for a first year coach in the finals. He had a tough situation to take over, uh, you know, from the whole situation that started with the coach that everybody there loved, all the players, got him to the finals the year before, and he did something stupid and, and got suspended. And so Joe had to take over. And, you know, it's a very difficult situation. But, you know, I was just reading something uh, from a writer today that was talking to Tito Horford, my former teammate. Uh, a father of Al Horford, mm-hmm. and uh, he was sitting next to him at the game and said, wow, Tito, your son is coaching this team. What do you mean? <laughs> Your son is coaching this team. So when they call a timeout, everybody goes in the huddle, and and Joe wins, goes to talk to his assistant coaches about what I have no help, what idea. For most of the timeout, like, while uh, Al Horford is in the coach's seat, Coaching the team. That's what happens. So now Joe comes out of the talking to the assistant coaches for what and then gets and sits down and has his 15 seconds. So, okay, let's do this. Okay, let's go. It's stupid. Just go sit in. The, I mean, what do we do with the Mavericks? Like I, I had I, I was I was uh, responsible for a lot of defense. So if I had something to say to the coaches I wrote it on an index card and gave it to Dell Harris, who looked at it. And then while Nelly was in the huddle, if it was something that he wanted to uh, bring out, he would show it to Nelly and Nelly would read it and then say, oh, we're in our transition or just blow it off. But you don't have to do all that in some stupid coach's huddle at the free throw line that everybody does. It's ridiculous. So there's a lot of problems there. And uh you know, it's not going anywhere. Miami Heat's going to be better next year. You know, Hero's going to be healthy. I don't know what their um, uh, uh, salary situation is. I think it's pretty good, but they're going to have to come up with some money, you know, for some players. And, you know, Caleb Martin maybe and stuff like that. Uh, but they're not, they're going to get better. Milwaukee's going to just, you know, uh, shake the dust off and come back strong. Um, Philly's going to you know, they have Nick Nurse coming over to yeah. see if he does something new. You know, so what are you going to do if you're Boston? What do you, Philly, what
0: you they were lucky to give by Philly, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, Philly's... Philly
0: th- had him last round.
1: Let him yeah, you know, yeah, so, but that was a good matchup. To me, that was the finals matchup, but it turned out not to be because Miami's doing a great job there and they're on a roll. But, you know, Boston, what are you going to do? I mean, if you're talking about maxing out Jalen Brown... At fifty million a year, what the hell are you thinking? Look how limited he is. Eight turnovers. He can't dribble. He's, he's he, he. What was he four for twenty one? Something like that. I mean, what are you doing? So you know, either get another piece. They also need. Uh, they need to decide on a center. So they, they either work with Williams the third and get his offense better because he's truly the best defensive center they have. Block shots, rebounds, long, athletic, and young. So make a decision uh, on that. Uh, you know, Al Horford. Instead of being a starter and playing 35 minutes, you're going to be a backup guy playing 15. You know, and thank you very much for your service. And then find somebody. If Marcus Smart's not the guy, then find somebody else. Yeah, I, price. And if Tatum's not the guy, go get two good players for Tatum.
0: Uh, our, our buddy Steve I mean, Schrader is checking not in. Jalen Brown.
1: Brown, not Taylor. Well, guys,
0: Jaylen are you live Brown. now? Yes, we are. We This is a special. Uh, 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 we got Next Plus. Uh, we, we're just going to do a few minutes. We just really wanted to talk a little bit about uh, tomorrow's uh, uh, finals, but I had to get Paul's take on, on Game 7 because uh, he kind of saw it coming. When One it really worst. looked like Boston was in charge of that series after that.
1: One of the worst performances of an NBA team ever in a game seven, especially at home. Period, end of story. It's terrible. Nope. Embarrassing. I
0: mean hey, and, know, and I now what you just said about Horford leading the timeouts, that, that's not a good look for Missoula. I mean, you want your players to have input.
1: No, no.
0: Running that damn team.
1: Yeah, now, that, now, there's, there's, that happened. That, that's not all bad. So if you talk to your assistants, you got a minute and a half. You have 90 seconds for a timeout. That's what you have, right? 90 seconds. So for the first 30 seconds, you go and talk to your coaches. What should we hit on? And in those 30 seconds, one of your veterans can sit in your chair and have a say, good. But then after that 30 seconds, he gets out of that chair. You sit down for a minute of the timeout that's left, and you to tell them what you want. It's not the other way around. It's not Al Horford sits in that seat for a minute and fifteen seconds, and you sit down for fifteen seconds in your and you're rushed out of the huddle. That's two different things. So, I mean, I, and,
0: and, and Paul, I, I just don't think I don't think that's a good look for him after everything that's transpired to uh, to see that.
1: Um, I, I never, like, I've been in this business a long time, and there's some uh, some, some head coaches that give leeway to assistant coaches, and, and that's good, uh, but some go, like, I've seen benches in the NBA where there's a last-second play, and there's an assistant coach drawing it up instead of the head coach, maybe because he's the offensive guy. I don't care if you're the offensive guy. It's my team. I'm drawing up whatever play we decide on, not you. You want to be held
0: responsible. Yeah. when it they lose they're not gonna come looking for the assistant coach nope they're
1: to look and for it, you and it's a bad look for everybody and the players why is this guy drawn up the last play
0: right but paul that brings me uh, uh, uh to another quick point because when you're coaching a team you definitely want input from your assistants and your players but at, at the end of the day man Everything comes back to you. How do you weigh th- their input with what you want to accomplish with your team, knowing that you're
1: ultimately
0: responsible?
1: All the input from your assistant coaches and your players and scouting staff should be done in the video room, in the locker room, and on the practice court and at the shooter room. And the only input you want from those coaches and or those players during the game is very short. Hey, hey! If I'm a player and I and I know and I go, you, you're the head coach, and I go, hey, coach, uh, they're double teaming me from the bottom. You know, if, if I can pick it out quicker, we can swing the ball. Great, done. Nothing, no more. Don't need any more. If you're an assistant coach, if I'm an assistant coach, hey, coach Ricky, uh, let's throw let let's try and throw the zone at him a couple times here out of this timeout and see how that works that's it that's all the discussion you need yeah. all the other stuff is done in video rooms meetings and on the practice court
0: yeah that it makes that it makes no that makes perfect sense uh
1: tell your son to he, watch this this back <laughs>
0: yeah because because you're, you're trying to process
1: it's too hard character. And then you have all these voices. The, the biggest headache, and you watch it, watch. So after a timeout, when it's when it's split up, right, and people are leaving, and uh, there's all these assistant coaches talking to certain players as they go on the court, right? Yeah. That's a distraction to me. And you know what? If I'm a head coach, I don't know what they're saying. What are they saying? I just said we're going to switch big and rolls, and maybe you're saying, hey, you know, f- screw that. Let's just stay with your guy, you know?
0: Steve says, "When I'm drawing a play, when drawing up a play, I sometimes see cameras catch the play. Do other teams catch plays?"
1: Uh, You know, Steve, that's a great question. At that point, it's too late. Now, um, in today's NBA world, you can have iPads uh, behind the bench. You never used to be able to do that. But the fact is, um, in especially in the playoffs, even in the regular season, all teams know all the other teams' plays. That's all. That's a given, you know, so maybe getting a glimpse of, of how, uh, you know, that's why when you see like a, a an opponent player sticking his head in the huddle or trying to listen to the head coach, they're trying to get one little thing uh, that that can help them. Uh, so, uh, yeah, if, if if it was live, but at that point, uh, you know, you have 15 seconds, your your coach is already. um your coach has already um, told the players in the timeout. And if you're going to, at the last five seconds, you're going to say, oh, by the way, they're going to run the same. You're going to mix them up more than they'll help them.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I, I believe that. That's a great question, though. It's a good question. And, you know, let me ask, so Steve, if I'm, I'm an advanced scout, which I have been, so you know what I'm doing? So if they catch that play uh, and I'm on the airplane after the game, and I'm watching that feed, and I can see that play, then, then I can put that in my scouting report for the next game. Absolutely. No question.
0: Hey, uh, Steve, I saw Don Nelson throw his fist tie at the camp. Mo, did you ever <laughs> talk to him about the, the fist tie? What, what was that about?
1: I know. What, what do you mean? I was in the middle of what you're talking about. So the fish tie was Don Nelson was um, uh, protesting that. The NBA was making him do certain stuff because Don Nelson had a deal with Converse. So during a game, he wore Converse, uh, plain black tennis shoes, you know, kind of like the referees wear, with the Converse logo on them. He had a deal with them. Well, they, the league, said you can't do that; you will be fined. So instead of wearing different shoes, what he did is he put tape over the logo, so it had a big X of tape over the logo. Everyone knew what the logo. was. And the, the other thing, there was a company, a small company in Milwaukee, that that's what they made. They made fish ties. There was two brothers. I know them. I met them, played golf with them, and they started this little company. And Nellie, uh, they gave Nellie a couple ties, and Nellie wore one, and I think we won the game. So, uh, you know, I'm going to wear a bass or a striped trout or, you know, and, uh, and it just took off. I mean, I think – a year later, they sold that company for millions of
0: dollars. <laughs> wow, I hope <laughs> Nellie got this cut.
1: Nelly got a cut of everything. Nelly <laughs> got a cut of everything.
0: <laughs> uh, Steve, Steve was saying that uh, the Nuggets are going to win the title. Let's get into this uh, this matchup. Uh, I got some tape from early in the year when they played. What you control? Right? Oh, you know, the first thing that stands out to me about this game, look at the stands. It's it's nobody there.
1: They're down in Miami. Yeah, they're coming. They're they're probably Friday night. They're coming late.
0: They're they're arriving late.
1: but uh, It's like LA. It's like LA. That
0: that won't happen when they uh, tip off uh, down in Miami this time.
1: I mean, when was this? This was probably January, right, or something?
0: I believe it was, yeah.
1: Probably on a Tuesday night. You know, but here's the thing, Ricky, you can throw all this video out. You can throw all these games didn't matter. They matter. They're two two totally different teams right now. They're both playing way better. They both have different players. They're playing, you know, like Miami has uh, Tyler Hero playing. He's not even playing anymore. So the one thing it will do, coaches will go back and look at this and say, well, you know what? We tried like right there. We tried to. Uh, played low on the pick and roll, and uh, you know the Joker got beat. So if I'm Miami, I'm saying we can use that. If I'm Denver, I'm saying we got to change our cover, right? But the the outcome and all that doesn't matter to me.
0: Yeah. Now you're saying everybody kicking Miami in five, maybe six. I mean uh, Denver.
1: They're picking Denver. I mean,
0: yeah, Denver in five or six. But you think? They got a. Uh, you think Denver has a shot?
1: If you look, if you look at, you look at the rosters, look at the talent level, look at what Miami has done. Miami has beaten the number one Bucks and the number two Celtics in the playoffs to get where they're at. They're no joke. They're the real deal. They're tough. They're resilient. They're the underdog, and they love it. They've been there before. Uh, so everybody's saying, and I actually, I I was thinking, you know, Denver and five. I, I re, I'm rethinking this after looking at rosters and stats and stuff. It's a seven-game series, and I think Denver wins at home and stuff.
0: What? My first question: What do you do with the Joker?
1: Well, like I've said before, like you can't guard him one-on-one. Miami has nobody. Bam Bam Adebayo can't guard Love. He's too little. Um, uh, 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 Dave, uh, uh, love, I mean, can't guard the Joker love can bang him a little bit he's gonna see him a little bit more uh playing minutes because he has a bigger body and experience so he can he can tend with the joker and I'm gonna throw another name at you that if if I'm Miami I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna do in game number one you do you know this name Omar Yerkas Stevin until not he's a seven foot 275 pound. A third-year player from Miami. He averaged, during the season, averaged five points and three rebounds. He's long. He's strong. And I'm going to see if I can get 10 minutes a game from him in the first game. Because he's a big body. He's a good passer. He's got good hands. He's not as stiff. And I'm going to see if he can play in the first game. What am I going to lose? Because I know Bam can't guard him. I know Love can't guard him. And who else do we have? Who are you gonna put on him?
0: Yeah, Omar oh As, Aslam. <laughs> Omar, oh you're to seven. You're seven.
1: You're seven seven. Two and seventy pounds.
0: Two hundred seventy-five. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'm telling you, if I'm Miami, I'm gonna see if I can get some minutes from him against the Joker, because. It, it,
0: no, go ahead, Mo. Go ahead.
1: So when I was with the uh, Golden State Warriors in 91, we played the Spurs. We were the seventh seed, and the Spurs were the second seed. And they had some guy named David Robinson. not A pretty good player, right? So uh, we had uh, uh, Tom Tolbert, Alton Lister, Jim Peterson, and myself. All different guys. Alton Lister was a shot blocker. Tom Tolbert was a 6'8 guy That's kind of hard to handle. Jim Peterson and I were big physical veteran players, and we just ran tag team on him. So, you know, Alton, if, if Alton started and they put me in, I would tap Alton's hand and I would go in and say, here I am, David. Now you're going to get a physical guy for a while. Then Tom Tolbert would come in, he'd tap my hand, and Tom would go, okay, you're going to guard a 6'8 guy that brings the ball down. What are you going to do now? That's what we did to him. We won that series. So we gave them different looks with different people. And if you're Miami, that's what this Omar can do, Omar can do. He can give them another look. You got Love, you got Bam, and now you got Omar. And, and, you know, uh, Bam is going to play the most, Love's going to play the second most, and then Omar is going to play, you know, 10 minutes. Give me 10 minutes. What
0: what did you tell Omar going into that game?
1: Play physical, keep them off the block, stay down, don't go for his ball fakes, bother him with your length, set pick and rolls, keep them active on the offensive end. Easy. It's easy. It's easy.
0: And and don't be afraid to use your fouls.
1: Foul him hard. No three-point plays. You know, foul him smart but hard. And now, if if, if I'm Miami right now, I'm having Haslam show him how to foul correctly. Right, so <laughs> I mean, if if you want to win, that's what you have to. You got to think. You have to think. Foul. You have to smart. use your assets. Use your assets. How many assets do you have? Right. I've never
0: heard anybody say foul correctly. You got to
1: Well, if if I'm going to foul you hard, and I'm going to make a non-basketball play, and you're going to get a flagrant one, you're going to get a free throws and the ball out. That's not smart. If I'm going to foul you hard and I'm going to make a play on the ball and I'm going to get your arm or your upper wrist or whatever, and you're not going to get a shot off that's fouling correctly. There's no flagrant one okay. that is, that's that, that's like, people aren't taught that why, you know, I'm not, I'm going to, you're not going to get a three point play against me, but I'm not going to get a flagrant one either. Cause I'm going to be smart about it.
0: Yes. And yes. you got to
1: do, you know what Nell used to say, do your work early. You got to do your work early so when uh, Kareem or Moses or Mikhail or Parish or LaJoiean or any of those guys are coming down the floor I would meet them around half court. And then I would bump them and, and ride them a little bit just guide them. I'm, not, I'm just going to guide them. Maybe a foot or two off where they want to be. But if I wait for them to come to me into the paint, it's over. They're controlling the situation. So do your work early, Omar.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. That's that's something to keep your eye out for too.
1: I just think, Ricky. So if you're the Joker, right, you've had a free reign, right? You can bring the ball down. You can run into the high post. Nobody touch. What if? Okay, for the next five minutes, Omar meets you at half court and is bumping you a little bit. Just in your shit. Okay, where are we going? I got you know. I'm not fouling you.
0: That's that's it's, what Dwight Howard did to him.
1: Of course. And Dwight Howard does it to an instigation point, but you're you're wearing him out. Now when uh when Bam comes in, he's more wore out, or he's a little frustrated, or you know, you got a foul and you accidentally hit him in the face with your arm. So what?
0: <laughs> uh Steve has a question. Why was Alison List and Dale Ellis always fighting on the same thing? I'm not familiar with that. But, but teammates get you get to argue with your teammates. I mean, that,
1: it, uh, it could be anything, man. It could be someone owes somebody money. It says someone had a girlfriend. Who knows?
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you argued and argue me the ball when I was open or something. It's yep,
1: good... absolutely. So yeah, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, you know, here's the so we get into this a little bit and go through the numbers. So when you look at the rosters, right? Um, Denver is probably a little deeper, but they don't play. Denver plays seven guys. The Joker, Murray, Gordon, uh, Porter Jr., Pope. All those you? guys are gonna play from 35 to 45 minutes. And then you have then you have Bruce Brown, Reggie Jackson, Jeff Green, Braun, the kid from KU. And they're gonna play 10 to 20, depending on how they're playing, but they're going to play six guys. Miami has Butler, Bam, uh, 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 Caleb Martin, who's been playing great, Strauss, uh, Robinson, uh, Vincent, you know, so, you know, uh, Denver's bigger, more physical, uh, Miami has more wing players that are more versatile. Uh, Lowry comes off the bench. Um, so, Here's the numbers that stuck out at me when I looked them up here just recently. It scares me for Miami, makes me hesitant. Denver shoots 50% from the field and 38% from the three. And their opponents shoot 47% from the field and 34 from the three. So let's look at that. Denver shoots 50% from the field and gives up 47%. That's That's an advantage. Then they shoot 38 from the three and they give up 34. That's an advantage. The Miami Heat shoot 46% from the field and their opponents shoot 48. Their opponents shoot better from the field than they do. And from the three-point line, Miami only shoots 34% while their opponents shoot 37. So Miami, Miami's defense is weaker. Their opponents shoot better field goal percentage from the field and from the three than uh, and the Denver's flip-flops. So that's a telling stats to me that... I still like uh, Denver and seven. I think it goes farther than people think. But those those numbers that have been carried out over almost 100 games now are going to play. And, you know, you know, if you play the odds, the odds are the team that shoots better from the three and from the field usually wins the game over the team that lets their opponents shoot better. Uh, I, think both I
0: think there's a great comment here. Uh, talking about the... At, at, at altitudes that uh uh Miami's gonna have to deal with.
1: Yeah, I mean there's a, there's the flight uh and the altitude that we saw the Lakers had to deal with, that everybody has to deal with. Uh, Miami's younger than the Lakers. They're more adaptive. And it's not it, it doesn't accumulate over, you know, for game five. It's uh it's in and out so you, you you go to you go to denver and you play in altitude right you're there for four days then you go back to miami and you play at, at sea level then you go back and play for two days in denver at, at altitude then you go back to miami and you play at sea level and then that last game in the altitude in game seven the game set if they if if it goes like i'm thinking and you, you know what i haven't been right very much on any of my playoff games <laughs>
0: I don't I, know, Mo, you, hmm. you call that one the other night with Boston. Yeah,
1: but if it, go, if it goes seven, like it, I think it could, game seven could be another blowout, except this time Denver would blow out Miami. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Hey, Mo, t- today, uh, 19 years ago today, this play happened. Hamilton trying to get free
1: of Miller on the baseline. Gave it right back to Wallace. O'Neal blocked it. Four on the shot clock. I don't know if Phillips knows that. He lost the handle. Tinsley, Reggie Miller, and it's blocked again. Oh.
0: What a block. How did Prince get there? What a That's Tayshaun Prince's famous block in 2004 against the Indiana Pacers as the Pistons were on the way to winning the uh, uh, NBA title. But Mo, look at the score.
1: Sixty. <laughs> yeah, cuz cause, cause it's the, the broke ass Detroit offense. <laughs> Sixty-nine to sixty-seven.
0: Mo, that's a halftime score these days.
1: Yeah, but okay, so uh, you know, that was a defensive whatever. And guess what, you know, that block, guess who else had blocks like that? LeBron James had blocks like that. Uh uh Kobe Bryant had blocks. That started that kind of come from behind block but so okay so you're taking that okay mr writer mr journalist okay what were the rest of the scores in that series
0: they they were all very similar so I covered that series they so they were what all were up,
1: they what were they
0: I, I don't remember the scores yeah
1: I mean uh, to me they were I mean, all what, with, what, I'll look them up right quick but they what were year all was with, that what year
0: was it but, but Mo how did we get from and those were intriguing basketball games, even with those low scores. Uh, uh, how did we get from that in 20 years to where we are today?
1: Yeah, but that's that's not indicative of what the game was like back then. That, that's not indicative, right?
0: Yeah, I think you're right
1: there. I mean, so, you know.
0: But that, that was a slugfest series.
1: Yeah. So, number one, back then, if you look at, if you have the box score of that game, I bet even with Reggie Miller, I bet uh, Indiana didn't shoot more than 15 threes, probably 12. You have a box score? I'm looking at that right now. Yeah. Uh, so, in today's um... game, uh, NBA teams shoot 35 to 53s in a game. One team. I bet back then, I bet the total three-pointers three in that whole game was 20, I bet.
0: Uh, I'm looking it up, and... 20, they, <laughs> they shot 21 threes that game.
1: I told you. So, <laughs> okay, so, so there's your difference, right? Every team in the NBA is gonna shoot 30 in the playoffs. That's 60 for the game. That's three that's times. That's three times the threes. I mean and and,
0: and and meta world peace and Reggie Miller each took seven threes. Yep.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know why Meta World Peace took I'm glad he did.
1: Because he was open. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hey, there's a reason, son, yeah. there's a reason you're
1: open. There's a reason you're open and, you know, well, I'm an open coach i want you know?
0: So, so this was, that series, uh, Pacers won the first game 78-74. Pistons won the next one 72-67. They won game three 85-78. Pacers won game four 83-68. Pistons won game five 83-65. And 69 65.
1: Okay, what was the other series? Who else was playing?
0: This was the East Conference Finals. The, Pacers look, up the,
1: look, one up the Western, look up the Western Conference Finals. Okay, there's, and it was probably, yeah. probably the Lakers, right?
0: Yeah, they went on to play the Lakers. Let's see. It
1: was probably the Lakers and the Spurs, the Lakers and Houston. Western Conference, 2000.
0: And that's when they had Malone and Gary Payton.
1: So that was a slowdown offense, too.
0: Western Conference. Lakers versus Timberwolves. They beat the Timberwolves.
1: That That was KD, right? Sam Cassell?
0: Yep, Sweet. and uh, they well. won the first game, 97-88. Uh, Timberwolves won the next one, 89-71. Lakers won the next one, 189. Lakers, again, yeah. ad- 92 Yep, so playoffs,
1: in the regular season back then, you're going to score. It was always first team to 100 wins, and if you score 100 and 108 points, you're going to win in the regular season. But in the playoffs, that always went down because people slowed it down a little bit. But I mean, how many how many points did the Celtics score yeah. in Game Seven? Yeah, eighty-five. Eighty-five. 80
0: 80 80 80 80 80. Yeah. So come hey, 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 Steve, Schroeder, Steve, Steve. I hope I'm saying. I don't know if it's straight or Schroeder, I hope I get it right. Text me and uh, so because we appreciate your comment. Brian Winters would be in the Hall of Fame if he played today.
1: Ryan winners today in today's game would be shooting 15 to twenty threes a game.
0: And making a ton of money.
1: And making at least, he'd be making eight to 10. So he'd be scoring between 20 and 30 points every game just on threes, yes.
0: Is he one of the best singers you were around? For?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. And he was, you know, I told you the story, like, you know, we were in Denver and he went 0 for 21. And then we went to L.A. and the next game he went uh, 15 for 21. <laughs> and the report I sit next to him, the report said, what, you know, you shot 0 for 21 last night and now you come back and shoot 15 for 21. What were you thinking when you're shooting 0 for 21? He said, I was thinking I'm going to make the next 20 shots. That's what I was thinking. <laughs>
0: That's the way
1: I need to think on my putts, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you look, like we played like Steve, I'll tell you, like, we had uh Brian Winters, Junior Bridgman, um, Marcus Johnson, I think, was on that team. We played Denver in Denver. I think the score, here's your score uh in the uh in the mid 80s, 160 to 150. How about that score? Yeah,
0: that was what Kiki
1: and uh, uh yeah. and uh now. David Thompson, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think there are three guys with over 40 points in that Uh,
0: game. Davis from North Carolina, uh, Mo.
1: Walter Davis. Walter Davis. So that that was, you know, shoot. You get three or four players scoring over 40. Brian Winters was one of them, yeah.
0: Mo, Mo, tell, tell us a little bit about a guy we never talk about, a Walter Davis.
1: Yeah, I mean Walter Davis. You know they called him the Greyhound because he could run for days. Really athletic. You know, very skilled. You know, there's a lot of. Them. I mean, who anybody talk about David Thompson anymore? David Thompson, Skywalker, j- jump out of the gym. You know, he he's the one that he was competing with Ice Girvin for this uh, scoring championship, and he scored like 53, and you know that same day, and Girvin had to score like. Forty-five, really you know, to get the time, something like
0: that. <laughs> yeah, just so many great players of country league, and we've talked about it before. That's why the the whole thing, the greatest of all time. I mean, no, any of those guys on my no, team? There is no, you
1: can't. There's no go You can have, that's an argument, right? You can't, yeah. you can't compare. I mean, and if you go by numbers, it's Will Chamberlain. You can't argue that's not Will Chamberlain. I don't care where when he played he can't help when he was born. I don't know who he played against. I don't care. He scored a hundred points. <laughs> He's he scored over sixty points hundred twenty five times. That's and everybody combined for the whole seventy five years. It's forty. So everybody in the whole ever played. So, you know, come on. He just but you can't. I mean, that's why and there's no um there's no uh uh what is it? The the mountain of whatever where there's five guys. Mount, Mount, Mount Rushmore. Rushmore. There's no Mount Rushmore. You could you could have like top ten of all time, right? So you know it'd be uh, uh, Wilt, MJ, Bird, Magic, LeBron, probably Kobe. Um, you know, a few more in there. You know, so that's what that's more, that's a better argument.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Alex English. I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember English being in uh, Milwaukee. He was probably
1: early on. I mean, you know, probably early on. Who knows? Yeah, I'm they, have trade to... them, they trade them. They trade probably for uh, a refrigerator and a washing machine or something <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> for the mecca. You know, because they need to wash the
0: uniforms. <laughs> um, hey, remote, we're gonna get out of here, man. Uh, But this was great. I mean, I just wanted to spend a few minutes uh, talking about tomorrow and looking back on Sunday and and just kicking it with you.
1: Any any final thoughts? And what should people watch for uh, tomorrow? So tomorrow night, um, the Miami Heat played Monday, correct? Yeah. So what I believe happened is they flew from Milwaukee probably on Tuesday to, to Denver. So they had uh, two days. Yeah, from Boston to Denver, right to right to Denver. So they have they've had two days to recuperate, get used to the altitude a little bit. They'll have three days tomorrow. Uh, they've just played. They had a great win. They killed the Celtics. And uh, the Denver Nuggets have been sitting there for what ten days now, trying to stay sharp, trying to keep mentally ready. Trying to do all that stuff, which is almost impossible to do while you're trying to stay healthy. You know, you try to limit your scrimmages, blah, blah, blah. So if I'm a betting man, I would look for the Miami Heat to be able to sneak out game number one in Denver. Um, Now, Denver is well prepared. Uh, They have great coaches. They got a team that's put together really well. Uh, They're playing for each other. They sacrifice for each other. You can tell they like each other. After they won this Western, they liked each other, um, uh, but staying ready for ten days is very, very hard to do, and play at the next level. It's like I've compared it before. Like if you're a sub, if you're a, a sub guy in the NBA team, it's a very hard job because here's what it's doing. It's like you're sitting on the bench at a standstill, and the game is going on at hundred miles an hour, and you have to be put in the game and be able to go from zero to hundred in two seconds. It's like a race car coming out of a pit stop, and the same thing is if you're getting ready uh, for a series and you've had a lot of time to just sit and wait and and practice pretty much three quarter speed probably because you're not trying to get hurt. And now you know uh, uh, Miami's come off where they've been going 100 miles an hour and they're ready for you. Um, I remember when I scouted for the Mavericks and. Uh, we, uh, we beat the Spurs and we ended up playing the Suns uh, in, the, uh, uh, in the finals of the West. And I kept trying to explain on my scouting report and my meetings about how fast the Phoenix Suns play. Steve Nash, uh, Stoudemire, uh, Bell, uh, Boris Diaw, all these guys, they were uh, eight seconds or less. They played like this, right? So all my scout reports and all my videos, guys, they play faster than you. They just play so fast, they're fast. And the guys understood and heard me. But I remember in the first time out of the first game, standing behind the bench, and our guys uh, 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 And they looked at me, and I'm like, I told you they play fast. <laughs> but you can't simulate that. Yeah. Right? You can't. They play fast. OK, coach, they play fast. But till you're in it, in the race, Fast is freaking fast. So mm-hmm. this could happen to Denver, uh, you know, and uh, we'll see. You know, Denver, could they overcome it? Sure. But if I'm looking out, you know, I would look at maybe Denver stealing. I mean, maybe Miami stealing game one, maybe. And then the series, you know, they get the home court, whatever. But also, man, I, if wish, I, could, I wish I could call Spolstra. I wish I could tell him, hey, hey Spolstra. Play this Omar kid. Just try him.
0: Just yeah. try him.
1: Big body. You know, he's a European guy. That's what Joker is. Fight fire with fire a little bit. Long. Not super athletic, but, you know, skill. Just try him. See what happens. What we got 275, man. What do we got to
0: lose, man? 275. <laughs> I, mean,
1: I mean, you saw in the Lakers series in a, in a fit of panic how Ham went to Tristan Thompson. Right at the end, at the fourth quarter, he went to Tristan Thompson because Tristan Thompson is 6'10", 270. So that he tried it and it worked for a few minutes, right?
0: Yeah.
1: But this could be interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh finally, thanks for that at Nugget. Alex played for the Bucks his first two seasons, traded to the Pacers, then to the Nuggets. What
1: did what did the Bucks get for him? That's what I like to you know.
0: Yeah. Hey. Well, for sure, the Nuggets got a good one for for, uh, Alex English. But, Mo, we're going to get out of here, and we'll be back Monday, if not before. Uh, But until then, for my great friend, Paul McCaskey, I'm Rick Hampton. Peace, everybody. Enjoy it, man. All right. Take care. Enjoy the games.
1: Yep. Thank you for listening to Believe.